0: Welcome back to the Body Podcast, where we talk strength, conditioning, lifestyle, and everything in between. And today, Body Babe trainer Skye is sharing her journey with us.
1: Sky, welcome.
0: What's going on, Scotty?
1: How are you? You're the, I uh, believe, the last... Body trainer that I am interviewing. Save the best Nikki's favorite for last. Right? I was
0: gonna say, you know, I might be the last trainer on the podcast lineup, but I'm the first trainer in Nikki's heart.
1: Yeah, that's and that's fact. She's actually right behind you, nodding. nodding. Yeah, definitely yeah. not in the other room taking a call. Definitely no. agreeing. So
0: I mean, you know, I I'll, I'll go on record saying I'm I'm her favorite. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> but uh, I do with every trainer and every person we have. Uh, kind of talk about. or sorry, Jesus. I'm a little befuddled right no, now. I mean, am I just... I'm just, I'm, I'm you're, just you're getting, getting, me getting, getting me nervous you all here. Nikki, you said Nikki's favorite trainer is getting me nervous. I'm so sweating. <laughs> my Palms are getting sweaty yeah. now. I'm nervous. I have that effect on people. Yeah. But tell us a little <laughs> bit about yourself.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Oh. Okay. So I'm, you know, to begin, um, the favorite body trainer. Been a body trainer for two years. It'll be three years this summer, which is crazy. Um, a certified nutrition coach. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. And just all around fitness enthusiast.
1: And been in kind of into fitness your whole life? Is like, would you grow up? You grew up where? I grew up in Spokane, Washington. Spokane, Washington. Yep. And then you went to uh, University of Spoiled Daughters, also yep. known as. Yep, University
0: U- of San Diego. Yeah, Scotty did your research. Yeah. yeah. Well, my,
1: my college roommate played baseball there, or my college, Jesus. <laughs> my roommate Making when I reference. lived in San Diego after college uh, played baseball there. So I. I knew him
0: the year I was there we had the number one MLB draft
1: pick Chris Bryant Chris Bryant so fun my my roommate was named Victor Sanchez and he set all these freshman records and third baseman records Uh, he went to get drafted after his junior year I like, oh, me, you have these records? He goes, no, there's this guy by the name of, uh, I don't know if you know, Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant. That broke all my records. Yeah. So now I'm not in any of the record books. I'm like, oh, that stinks. <laughs> yeah,
0: we had a good time there. I, uh, you the know, stadium
1: is gorgeous. Oh. The because ba- they have the, the dorm rooms in right field, literally, o- like, are in right field. They overlook the oh, yeah. stadium. So you can like, just be hanging out in
0: Missions A and B. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, I did not live in Missions A and B when I was at University of Spoiled Daughter. I got Still a nice campus. Yeah, I got put in the oldest dorms there. Uh, Founders, also known as the Virgin Vaults. It was the all-girls dorm that partnered right next to the all-boys dorm where the rest of the dorms were co-ed. Um, so that is where I spent my I'm assuming
1: they give the nicest dorms to the athletes, the very few that they have, or you know the what? super rich people.
0: I was going to say, I, it, I don't know this for a fact. You can fact check me on this, but I think it had something to do with like who was gonna pay the most yeah
1: so. we called them uh in college my buddy called them the, the two comma kids yeah because their bank account had two commas I was gonna right? say. yeah we, yeah so we were like oh those are two comma kids
0: no I got <laughs> shoved over in the tiny dorms with um like public style bathroom stalls and
1: <laughs> like a trough the,
0: oh my god there really was a trough <laughs> um and then you had like one sink in this whole room of sinks that you shared with your roommate
1: and Oh my god!
0: But you know, <laughs> well, I had a good time. It was yeah.
1: Fine. So, or, so you go. You, let's like, kind of like talking how you got into like nutrition, health. Yeah. Like, were you playing sports as a kid? Were you into sports? And then, on top of that, was nutrition always a part when you were younger, or was it something that you just like most of us that are older? You know, I'm a lot older than you, Mike. I'm very young. I would like yeah. that to be on the record. Yes, and I'm very. I'm a half decade older than you. Don't mm. do the math, but. um, I was always thought like, you know, you work out, you do this, Mm -hmm. have protein shake Mm -hmm. after. And that was kind of like eating healthy. Yeah. That's what you just thought when you were a kid. So is that something that you were kind of doing? Then you kind of got into college and post-college. You were just like, wait, we're doing this wrong.
0: So when I was a kid, like younger, I played softball and basketball. I was really active. Um, My mom was one of those moms like, hey, go play outside type of thing. So we got into sports. My brother was a big sports guy. He played um, high school, college, and then... Me, as I kind of got a little bit older, I really wasn't that active in a dedicated way. Like, I don't know, a couple years high school, beginning of college, fitness was not on my mind. Like, I don't know. I walked a lot, but no lifting, no workout classes, nothing like that. And then when I was in my junior year at University of San Diego... I was in the process of getting out of a very abusive relationship, both mentally, physically. And I was at the lowest point I've ever been. Like, it it was hard for me to really even look at myself in the mirror because I was pretty, for lack of a better word, like embarrassed of what I tolerated, of where I'd gotten myself to. I had really good friends who stuck by me, but, you know, it, it had even gotten to a place where my own mom was like, hey, I can't participate in like what you're doing here. I can't watch you essentially rot on the vine and have this person control your life and get you into this headspace. So at that point I had lost a ton of weight. I was very thin, very depressed, just at my lowest. And uh one of my college roommates at the time was doing a boot camp class down um in Mission Beach and she was like, Do you wanna come with me? And I was like, sure, I mean I have nothing better to do. So I went to this boot camp class and it it was literally called burn boot camp and it quite literally changed my life um i got in there and had really no expectation of anything you know i'd been a fit kid but i hadn't really been moving for the last couple of years and it was like i could take all of my emotional pain and put it somewhere physical all of these things going on in my head i could quiet for a minute and that class from then on out I started taking like two classes a day I wanted to be there all the time it was reprieve from how little I thought of myself at that point point. and then from there I graduated to a gym that I have such love for shout out performance 360 in San Diego um, and learned how to properly lift I learned how to use a barbell I learned how to strength train and I really found myself again I built myself back up using fitness and and weights and I now as a coach, that's why I focus so much on tying in fitness and mental health because I firmly believe like fitness saved me where I was at and kind of reminded me of who I was and what I was made of and that I had it within me to start again and come back stronger. So I have a deep love for movement so much more so for anything aesthetic just because it, you know, it hits you right in your feels, but it saved my life at that point. So that's kind of how I got into fitness. And then, like you said, with nutrition, the nutrition side, once I'd kind of properly learned how to lift, properly learned how to move, well, then I wanted to level up. And you get to this place where you can only continue to try pushing weight or try to work harder in cardio rounds before you kind of hit that that wall. And that really is food. And so the nutrition part came in when I realized – I don't eat enough. I don't eat enough of the right things. And I wanted to be the best, strongest version of myself physically. So then I kind of dove headfirst into that
1: process. Gotcha. And then, so you're, you're in San Diego, you move here. Mm-hmm. How long ago did you move here?
0: I moved here right after I graduated college for a job in cybersecurity sales in 2016. Then I was here for about a year um, before Marquise and I moved to New Jersey he was going to play with the Jets, so we did a little bit of time over there, and then we decided to come back.
1: Gotcha. And just like any normal person, they get into cybersecurity and they go, "Let me be a body trainer." <laughs> exactly. Right. That's yes. uh. Everyone else came from cybersecurity. <laughs> okay. So
0: it is. So <laughs>
1: did you start going? First, did you start going to body first before you became a trainer?
0: Yes. Um, it is. So kind of to back up you're right. I started in sales. I love people. I love talking and I have sold at three different companies. I had a great sales career and you know, was good at it, but it was not fulfilling. It was one of those things where I felt like, God, if I have to do this for the next 50 years, that's, Oh my God. If I have to keep drudging through and not necessarily the sales part. I mean, like I said, I love to talk to people. I do that all day long. It was more so kind of the office politics, the nine to five grind behavior, the working for someone else's dream. I
1: was like, this is just not me. It's kind of a similar, I'm in mean, recruiting, but there's a lot of our sales guys. Recruiting has a lot less turnover than sales, mm-hmm. obviously, because you're not getting told you dial a hundred, the phone, let's say a hundred times yeah. one day you get told to fuck off Yeah, 98, yeah. hoping for that one, but it's, it's always the thing because you're in this environment where, Hey, great quarter. All right, let's repeat. Do that. Do it again. Do it again. Repeat, and then you're so based on commission that if you're doing something, there are sales jobs. Don't get me wrong, there that, that are probably very fulfilling. They're like, and there's a lot less pressure, right? Yeah. To sell, but like you get to a point that it's like, let's say, oh, you made your first hundred thousand. All right, so you made twenty five grand a quarter. Mm-hmm. Then you made like forty. You're going for like one hundred fifty. Then you're two hundred. Now it's like self challenge, and sometimes it's just like, man, I'm just grinding away. And I'm just mentally not there. Yeah. And there and it's like, what can can I do something more fulfilling?
0: Well, and that really was why I transitioned out and the, you know, kind of to talk about how I became a body trainer. One thing was I got to a place once the pandemic hit where it was like I'm going to make decisions for my life as if the world's going to end tomorrow because it actually might. You know, we were
1: sitting together. That's what that, we were you know? told, Ellie. Yeah. yeah. We were told, like, like you if know, you go outside, you're going to become a zombie. It, it, I,
0: <laughs> we were living in the walking dead. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, okay, if this is it, then that was what my true adult life was, doing something I didn't like doing for eight to nine hours a day, living for the weekend. And I think what was hard for me was there is an element of my personality that – likes to play things a little bit safe. You know, my behavior is always learn how to take care of yourself and always have a backup plan to know like when shit hits the fan, when the pandemic hits, like you're going to be taken care of. But then I realized we were living through a time where everybody's plan B, it didn't matter. You know, it didn't matter if you were the healthiest, happiest person on the planet, you could still end up getting this virus. And so that really hit me hard. And right before the pandemic hit, um, I was working for a company uh selling an HR product. And as we talk about me becoming a body trainer, I will never forget this. My training was in San Francisco, it was two weeks. And I was laying in my hotel room after the first day of training, and I was scrolling through Instagram, and I got a DM. And it was from Nikki Metzger. She loves sliding
1: the She slid into my in. DMs
0: and I still She did remember the same thing for day. Harper. She slid into my DMs <laughs> and said like you are such a cute badass. Like you'd be such a great body trainer. And I remember sitting straight up in the hotel bed. My heart was beating so fast and I was like, oh, I'm going to quit my job right now. Fuck this training. I'm going to fly home. I'm like what? Oh my God. I have a possibility to work at body. Cause at that point I'd been a body member. Um, let's see at that point it was 2019, um, three years on and off just because I, we'd moved to New Jersey for yep. a little bit, but I loved body. I loved the push, I loved the community, I loved how it was led by a bunch of badass women, and I had the best time working out there. So I was like, if I could work here, I'm so in. So fast forward a little bit, I then was chosen to be in the mentorship program. And I laugh because I am the only body trainer who went through this process. Um, mentorship with a previous older body trainer who essentially taught us how to be trainers and then the goal was now you fight for your spot now you have an audition and we were going to audition for all the body girls and whoever had the best class would get the trainer spot the co-trainer spot so it almost was like American Idol body edition so I was like ready to compete because if there's anything with my personality I'm like I'm going to give it my all I want this spot so freaking bad And I was really excited. We went through all of mentorship. It was going to be the week of the audition. The pandemic hits. (laughs) And everything closes down. So Nikki's like, hey, we got to put this whole thing on hold. You know, we don't even know what's going on with the gym. So I was pretty heartbroken because I was ready to leave my job, jump into body. I mean, I was already envisioning it. I was manifesting it and gets put on hold. God then, comes,
1: boom, not today. I was like, God was like, not you, bitch. Oh, I, you, oh, oh the girl that never tastes risk? Come on. Well, the girl that like, oh, never you tastes the risk is going to taste risk? risk? No. Idiot.
0: Yeah, exactly. So then fast forward, you know, a couple weeks, things are reopening. You know, it was that first wave where it was like, oh, this wasn't so bad. It was like four week lockdown. We start talking, uh, you know, audition might happen. Boom. It all locks down again. And. I'm thinking to myself, this is never gonna happen. I finally got so close to doing what I wanna do in life, and it's over. But, as we prevailed, we came through, and it ended up being a situation where enough time had passed, things were opening back up, and my time came, and I got to fill that spot. And I've never been so grateful for you know, this job, and it's 10 times sweeter because of that. Yeah. But a little bit, a little bit bitter, because then every body trainer who was hired after me, my God, you guys got to sail right in.
1: So I was gonna, I was gonna be for the first time ever in my life, I was gonna be nice, and I was gonna say, you've actually had uh, of everyone the toughest, I think, transition mm-hmm. because you came when we were outside. Yeah. You came, then you had to teach your first class was in the it, park. It, in the yeah, you had the park. You're like. Co-teaching, right? Yep. And then outside on the side, but then your first ever class by yourself, you were in the boxes. In the boxes. So it's like you never got to, you had a chance where you never really got to, it was very tough for you to put a be very personal because mm-hmm. everyone was still like on edge. Like, should, and I can to I go mouse. say yeah, can I go say hi to them? Can I go like yep. you know say, oh, so good to see you, a hug or this, where you didn't really get that. So you do that for like, what oh, was it? Like almost a year, right?
0: Oh my gosh. So we started in the park. My first class was in August and it was like a three o'clock or four or fifteen class and it was so hot and I'll never forget like walking around trying to yell instructions to people. I'm brand new. No one can hear us over this huge boom box we have. It's hot as hell. It's over the middle of the day. And I think people were like, who is this chick? Why is she even here? I'm like, no, I meant to be here. Like, I'm so excited. Then we transitioned from the park to outside in the parking lot at Body. Yep. Which was again the concrete jungle. Honestly, I loved it. Looking back, you know, I loved it so much because you got to really see the heart and soul of body. If people were willing to work out in August outside in Phoenix, they love this place. The,
1: the park, I would try to get there earlier than everyone, and there was like two trees. Oh, yeah. So I would try to line up as the sun would come down behind the tree because it was so hot at 5 30. I would oh, yeah. get to get a shooting. If, if I got there late and someone took the tree spot, I'm like, God, I'm a, die out here
0: one of my best memories was co-teaching a class with Harper and we taught through a literal haboob a haboob came through and the sky turned black and I mean we were in the parking lot like dust was flying around we couldn't even see and we still finished the class and we could see lightning and I was like this I'm alive (laughs) baby So I, it was a tough, tough transition. And I think also what was hard is like, I I couldn't really find my groove in the beginning because I went from park to parking lot to the boxes. And then, like you said, I mean, it was almost a full year, I think at least six or eight months before we broke out of the boxes. And then I felt like, all right, this is what this shit is about. So I felt like I had to really shovel it from fighting for my spot, from the mentorship through the pandemic, fighting, fighting, fighting to earn my spot. Then I get into it. Then we're constantly like being creative, finding new ways to teach, still getting people in. Then I got to come into it. But
1: you basically had to retrain yourself because when you go from the boxes and those other things, there's only so many moves you can do in the boxes, right? And there's so many moves you you can't do when you don't have like the bench. Mm -hmm. So you're trying your best. All of a sudden there's a thousand more moves. Mm -hmm. There's. You know, there's no, there's like a Tabata, there's 40M, there's mm-hmm. 90, 60, 30. There's all these different A, B and then circle format that you, the circle format that you never, mm-hmm. you know, got to do. And you basically had to relearn yeah. again. You've been there a year now and it's, Oh wait, it's like, I'm a rookie again.
0: Honestly though, I will say, you know, it, and you can ask my husband, like I, even through all those challenges had never been happier. I never yeah. felt like I was doing something that was more me or more fulfilling, I was never more sunburned or dehydrated or smiling bigger than in those first couple weeks. And that to me was like, I know I'm where I should be because I would rather be doing this than any other job. And it was a big challenge, but it just made me love the community even more because we bobbed and weaved together. And then, you know, I got to know so many people and then seeing their masks come off and being able to see their faces and their beautiful, shining smiles. And it, it was very rewarding. And I wouldn't change my journey to it for anything because I got to savor it that much more.
1: Yeah. When you do something you love, the worst part of the job that you think would suck, it really doesn't no. really suck to you. It, no. it It's like, it's almost like, again, I always say this, I coach basketball. It's like, I never felt like I worked a day in my life. Yeah. I just financially, physically couldn't like do it Sure, anymore. that makes sense. Right? And so when you work in sports and we talked about with, with Harper, but when you do something you love, the worst part, you're still happy in your worst point. Yeah. Which, which is weird because when you work in sales, like you're miserable 90% of the time for the 10% Deeply happiness and that 10% makes up for the 90. Or like I always said, my buddy, when he first got out of college, he was an accountant. He did it for like eight or nine years. And I was like, man, he's like, oh, your job is like, kind of sucks, especially during tax season. It sucks. He's like, but I love money. Yeah. And every time, <laughs> Fr- every time Friday comes around... In my brain, it makes up for the Monday through Thursday, right? Sure. And so I get that, and I would like to. mention there's a study that someone did where like your level of like happiness is so down low that when you get back up to normal, you've gone up like oh, hundred yeah, decibels like that you think it's yeah. awesome. Where like when you're always happy up here and you drop down even a little, even though you're still happier than ninety nine percent of people, because you drop down, it's like you feel like you might be a little more depressed. But yeah. like, when you do something you love, it's just even the worst part about the job, you're like, this isn't that bad. Like my worst part of coaching was going to going to practice, leaving practice, driving two hours to go watch a kid play in a high school game, come back and don't get home till like 11 o'clock at night. And it's like, what did you do? Oh, The last six hours, I drove two, watched an hour and a half, talked to a mom and yeah. dad, kid, and then drove back two hours. And that was the worst part of my job.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, you know, even I'm on- am
1: losing, losing on yeah,
0: even on a day where I feel like, I wasn't my best or I didn't have the energy I wanted to give or, you know, I didn't feel the vibe of the class I wanted it to be, it's still where I'd want to be a hundred percent of the time and that's pretty special. So it's, you know, when you talk about a dream job, it really is a dream job for me because I get to work with people who I love and respect, who I'm friends with I get to have fun. I get to joke with people. I get to be an hour of people's day where they're working on themselves, doing something good for themselves, and I mean, it's just—it's hard to have a bad day when you're at Body. So, I consider myself really, really
1: lucky. Yeah, I have a I have a bad day every time we have to do sprints in the summer. So, okay, for me at least,
0: I love a sprint.
1: I, I don't mind a sprint. It's just, it just—it seems like I know they're. It just always seems like someone puts the workout in like obviously the whole month they like do the workout no, and then it seems, to the it, so seems like, it seems like god's like ooh nikki or sky pick sprints let's make that day 105 but the next yep. day will be 72 and sunny but and it's like are you got to be freaking kidding
0: You've me. you got to work for it so,
1: yeah. so. but that
0: that was a journey to become body trainer. Okay. But I have had my own nutrition side business since 2017, so before I was body
1: trainer. Okay. Well, let's get in it, it's a good transition because my next question was obviously that's a big passion of yours. Yeah. Uh first question I more in general, what's kind of a misconception with nutrition you compare it with working out that is people think's true that they see or you mm-hmm. see on the internet that's actually false and that kind of like, you know, maybe irritates you.
0: Yeah. So Like I've been a nutrition coach for a long time now, like I said, since 2017. And it's funny being on the other side of it because before I started coaching, I had a great coach. Um, Really what got me into macros was my coach, Lenny. And that was through a process of me, kind of like I said, hitting terrible plateaus and feeling like I have completely stagnated in my progress. What do I do from here? And him saying, hey, you need to... For my personal goals, eat more, eat more protein, and be more diligent with your macros. And it's funny being on that side because I was so resistant to that change as a girl, as a woman, the idea of eating more is kind of a mind fuck. And I was like looking at these numbers he programmed for me and telling him, no, I'm just gonna put on body fat percentage, I'm gonna feel too full, I don't wanna do this. And my coach Lenny was such a straight shooter, he was like, hey. You can, you can whine all you want. You, you've come to me and you told me what you're doing right now isn't working. So you either have to do something different or you're going to continue with the stagnation. Like you're not going to magically find your goals by doing the same shit every day. You have to add an element of change. So... That kind of hit me smack in the face of, oh, damn, I got to do something different. And something I say in class a lot is, you know, you need to add a challenge to see a change. You got to do something different to see difference in your body and your strength and your endurance. Um, so that was something that I was really resistant to kind of that idea of like, oh, I don't want to eat too much. You know, I got to eat this certain calorie amount. I think as a coach, one of the biggest misconceptions that really we have got to let go of is the carb fear. I don't know if I could well actually I could do this. My dad is in billboard sales. I should get a billboard that says carb. carbs don't make you fat. Because people, clients come to me all the time and they're like, "Hey, here's, you know, here's my goals, here's this and that. I really do try to avoid carbs." And my question always is, "Why? What is it about a carbohydrate that you feel like is going to stagnate your progress?" And it's just a misconception on what carbs do in your body. And it's diet culture just being completely overpowering to our knowledge of nutrition. So that's a really common misconception. But then just a general thing on a whole as a nutrition coach, my biggest like bone to pick or my biggest qualm is social media and diet culture and this constant circle of misinformation And then seeing that misinformation bleed into my client lives, bleed into my body members' lives. You know, I'll watch members at Body sub out moves doing things I've seen on TikTok. And I'm like, God, this is the worst age where we have so much information and so much of it is bullshit. And and 90% of stuff you see when it comes to nutrition on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, it's bullshit. So... It's, it's hard because as a coach, I feel like when I start working with a client, the cu- first couple of weeks are a lot of peeling back layers of things that you've been told in your brain that are wrong.
1: Mm-hmm. Are there... Like, what are some sources... Um, source of food that are like good carbs. Mm, okay so that
0: okay you bring because
1: okay, like so. if you say carbs the first thing I think of is pasta yes and I'll just be like in my brain I' was just like, oh, if carbs aren't bad, yes. I'll just eat a bunch of pasta but like anything in excess is bad for you or I should say in excess, but like any too much like obviously Scott, don't eat six pounds of pasta night Sure. But Italians are all—I was over, over They're all fucking skinny, and oh. all they do is eat pasta. So it's like you're yeah. right. It's like yeah. is carbs really that bad, or is our pasta stink? All right, maybe well, it's both. <laughs>
0: okay, you you bring to up a really good point. So something that as a coach I start off in the education piece because as a nutrition coach, as a macro coach, my goal is to educate people on macros, nutrition, the best way for them to be eating based on their set of goals. My only skin in the game is their success and their happiness. I don't have one way that I am glued to because like you're saying, the Italians do it different. The Americans do it different. People all over the world do it different and they find success. So with that, a big education piece I start with is this idea of good and bad foods. Food is amoral. There's no morality around what you're eating. Unfortunately, diet culture has attached labels to food and convinced us that Pasta is bad, broccoli is good, candy is bad, apples are good. When in reality, there is a place for every single one of those foods on your plate. It depends on your portion size, depends on your goals, depends on your body, and it depends on the way you like to eat. So as we talk about quote unquote good sources of carbs, I like to look at food as foods that are on our plan or more goal oriented foods and then fun foods. Foods that we consume because life is worth living. Foods like, for me, frozen yogurt and Costco cake. Shout out Costco. You guys make the best sheet cake okay. to die for.
1: But you, just then, have to, you just have to buy like a three layer cake and,
0: yeah, you mean, know, because
1: it's Costco, you have to buy it in bulk. They make I mean, you buy 30 I can, cakes. I can
0: take it down. It's no problem. <laughs> I you mean, you can ask Marquise. I have housed many a sheet cake in my life and. I'm still standing. So, um, and then, uh, you know, foods that are more on plan. So foods that are more whole food sources, vegetables, um, leaner proteins, things that are more protein packed, things like that. Um, so as we talk about carbs, there's two types of carb sources, simple and complex. And for the listener, I promise I'm not going to get sciencey on you because I'm sure people are like next, <laughs> Fest. this is the kind of stuff I like to geek out on, but to basically keep it simple, complex carbs, we can think of things like our pastas, our breads, our starches, potatoes, simple carbs being things like fruit, um, sugar in its, pure, in its simplest form. So a wide variety of different carb sources is going to benefit you, and when we think about our nutrition, it's not necessarily, oh, the carbs are bad, the fats are bad, the proteins are bad. It's overconsumption of anything, it creating a caloric surplus, is something that can lead to body fat percentage increase, can lead to weight gain. It's not like the Costco cake is the thing that makes you put on weight. It's repetitive overconsumption of any calories. So if you're somebody right now who is trying to cut your carbs, you don't have to. Um, if it's something that helps you stay on track with your goals, great. But if you love eating carbohydrates, Think about your overall daily caloric intake before you start to cut carbs, and then text me. I'll get you in as a client, and we'll talk.
1: <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, Would obviously, if you're trying to, you know, protein's obviously very good for you. Helps yeah. build it. Yeah, get on the protein game. Get on protein. What are some good... Again, I'm, a, I'm an idiot when it comes to nutrition, so I always just listen to what yeah, you, in and you... in general. In general, yeah. <laughs> um, just in general. Just but I usually just listen to what you or, or Ramsey says yeah. is good. Um, but what's a good source of protein?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Are there like bad sources of protein that people think that like, oh, I'm getting my protein in, but you're like, you're also drinking uh, muscle milk, has 47 grams of sugar. Mm, okay, that's a good point.
0: So really quality sources of protein are going to be things like lean sources of meats. So your poultry, your beef, fish, um, and then also a lot of plant-based sources. People oftentimes forget about that. Things like obviously tofu, tempeh for more vegan vegetarian sources, but also there's lots of protein in a lot of plants. So for example, beans, legumes, they're going to have a higher protein element. Not to be confused with a protein source. They are not dominantly protein. They're more dominant in carbs, but they're going to have protein. Um, like I love swapping things like as we talk about pasta, a wheat pasta for a chickpea pasta because
1: – Bonza. A, a, shout out.
0: Bonza this podcast.
1: He should, I'll tell you this. I, Sponsor me. When I first sat down with someone before I even joined Bonza, it was like five years ago. I was like, I got to – I'm eating on the road. Mm-hmm. But I love pasta. I was just making I it. I was pasta. making spaghetti. Like, just just replace it with bonza. Yeah. It's a, it, and it's the close. I have was like, oh, I keep trying these other healthier pastas. Mm-hmm. They all taste like absolute garbage.
0: Yeah. Does
1: bonza part. taste like, you know, North End Boston pasta? No. But it's good enough yeah. where it makes me happy enough. I get my craving and it's good yeah. for you.
0: And in a serving, you know, you're getting like 13 grams of protein right there. So, um, and then when you talk about...
1: Well, what do you... When you Eat the whole box, you're getting like 30 grams.
0: Like yeah, but I, if you eat the whole box, that's a huge caloric intake. But if that's part of your goal, have at it. There, again, portion size I think I
1: do. What is I, going to be like dependent this. on goals. No one really cares. About what I do, but I do the spaghetti and I make a meat sauce with mm-hmm. it. Yeah, Ooh. and so I do that and I put it. in there. That, So I literally have, and I, that's literally for if I make it for lunch, I'll just eat it for dinner. Yeah, if I make it for dinner, then I'll use it for lunch the next day. It's kind of how I, I just make. That's a good meal because it's easier than to make like pour half. I just pour the whole bo- box in, just cook it, and I just have it tomorrow. It's kind of it it's
0: working for your Picard. Go yeah. with it. Yeah, lean in. Definitely, um, I look
1: like the Hulk. You know, I'm just killing it.
0: I mean, you do. <laughs> so as we talk about. You know, and again, removing the words "good" and "bad" from nutrition is like one of my passions in life. So I would say, thinking of sources of uh, that people think are high protein that aren't, a really common one is peanut butter. A lot of people will say things like, "Oh, I'm eating peanut butter for protein." Peanut butter is dominantly a fat source. It does it have protein in it? Yes, but when you're reading a food label and you want to flip that label, take a look at your proteins, your fats, your carbs. The macronutrient, so protein, fat, or carb, that is dominant, so the most grams per serving, is going to be what that food classifies as. So, for example, a Greek yogurt. A Greek yogurt is a great source of protein, but it is dominantly a carb source. Generally, if there's any type of So you're of saying if
1: it's 12 grams of protein... 16 grams of carbs, it's a carb source. In 9 grams of fat, it's a carb source. So like yes.
0: Does that mean that that doesn't count toward your protein goal? No. It's just oftentimes... You know, flip the label of a Jeff peanut butter per two tablespoons, I think it's 16 grams of fat and like eight grams of protein. So the protein ratio is actually not very good for the fat to
1: calorie ratio. What would be, what's a good ratio for for people out there? If they're just going to go and we're looking at Justin's peanut butter or something, or Mm -hmm. like I'm trying to eat a healthier food option, but get more protein rather than carbs, what would be a good ratio?
0: So... Well, to talk about two things. One, ratio. If you're thinking about protein, when you're trying to get your protein in, make sure it is the highest macronutrient on the label.
1: Okay, so make sure. So if it's 20 grams of protein and 5 grams of fat and 11 carbs, that would be a good source.
0: That's a protein as source.
1: Long as, it's, yes. as long as it's the highest yes. one, that would be a good source. Or at least
0: tied. So, for okay. example, um, you know, lots of clients will bring Ramsey and I protein bars. And oftentimes you'll see protein bars that have double the fat than a protein source and it's like okay this might be a really good bar for longer energy throughout your day maybe you want to have it midday so that you're full till dinner but if we're talking about is that going to be your protein source at this snack or meal probably not it's going to be more fat if
1: you're junk. doing like a four-hour hike maybe yeah that would be great exactly. for it yeah
0: you know people love to snack on things like trail mix trail mix is great for endurance type behavior because it's going to be very calorically dense and When we think about um, the main macronutrient it's made of, fat. Nuts have a lot of fat, so it's going to give you longer sustained energy. Um, But you made a great point as you talk about, you know, maybe if people are trying to eat healthier and they pick up a Justin's peanut butter versus a Jif. When we talk about nutrition, I am a coach who really wants to talk about and focus on accessibility. I am kind of for lack of a better word, disgusted with the clean eating, organic, green girly vibe that is diet culture on social media. You do not have to eat a perfectly organic diet that only comes from whole foods with brand name labels to get healthy or to change your body composition or to be eating a well-rounded diet. I think the way we've perceived wellness culture as a culture for one, wealthy people two already fit people and three, those who have a ton of time on their hands and seemingly endless hours to shop and prep is so discouraging and it shuts the door to people who are just trying to do a little bit better. So I, as a coach, my thought is, is Justin's better than Jif? It might have fewer hydrogenated oils maybe it chooses a different oil is it going to be that much better in the long run well i have not seen the science on that so far no if if the GIF, if the skippy is what fits into your grocery budget go for it if you can if you have the grocery budget to buy whole foods made on the site peanut butter great do it but i think we do a really bad job of closing people off from making better choices um I, I as a coach, really promote and push frozen fruits, frozen vegetables, frozen protein sources. They're going to be way more cost-effective. They're going to be more accessible. They're not going to go bad quickly. They're going to feed a family longer than, you know, the all-organic whole foods. And I'm saying whole foods in the sense of the store, the establishment. Um, And I think... As coaches, we need to constantly encourage people from every spectrum, every walk of life to be a little bit better when it comes to nutrition and not feel like that door is shut just because you're not a girly who can get up and get a $20 green juice and then go to your Pilates class and then like meditate for an hour. No shade to those girls, If no shade to those boys. If that's how you live your life, I love that. I love being a you know a wellness person. But I do think that oftentimes alienates people and we need to be more inclusive. We need to be more inclusive with food, with nutrition, with body sizes. We need to welcome everybody.
1: All right. Let me ask you this. I know there's a wide variety of people that go to body or Mm -hmm. people that don't go to body that listen to that workout. I want to try to include everyone in this. So what would be an ideal situation – myself, I'm mm-hmm. trying to lose, you know, my body fat's a little higher, but I'm so mm-hmm. tr- you're, tr- you're trying to lose some body fat, lose some weight, but also put on some muscle and lift. Yeah. What would be, you know, what should I be doing? What would be a good breakfast? Like almost like steak and eggs in the morning, um, chicken in the afternoon, chicken in the evening. Like, what would be a good thing to eat throughout your day? Breakfast, yeah. lunch, and dinner.
0: So the process- usually
1: I just have br- uh, coffee for breakfast. Oh. So.
0: oh my God, Picard. Okay. We're starting there. <laughs> Well, first of all, the, the process you're talking about is called body recomposition. So reducing body fat percentage, increasing muscle mass. That is a process that is easier for those people who are not as trained. So let's say a couple years back, your first class at body, you're coming off a long hiatus of not working out it's gonna be an easier process for you because bodies adjust to stimulus, bodies adjust to the stressors we put on them. So number one, newbies to fitness are gonna see results way quicker. Um, Second, some people are just more genetically gifted or genetically blessed where that process is simpler for them. Certainly not me. Most people sit in some range where body recomposition is possible, but it's a slower process. With my clients, I encourage them to pick a lane to begin. So whether that is putting on muscle mass, which requires a caloric surplus, or decreasing body fat, which requires a caloric deficit. It's easier to approach one of those goals, hit it hard, and then once we've hit that goal, maybe dial it back the other direction. However, most people, want what you're asking and so that is possible i'm not saying it's not possible i'm saying you're going to need to have a lot of patience on your hands it's a longer process it's a slower process so kind of to talk about what like an average ideal day of eating would be a lot of that depends on your current body weight your current workout schedule and then what you do for work people really underestimate how sitting most of their day has an effect on their total daily energy expenditure and on their body composition but a couple of recommendations I have that across the board for everybody would be getting enough protein in earlier in the day. I always say front load your protein. It is the hardest macronutrient to eat because unfortunately it's just not in everything. Fat and carbs are in nearly every food we consume, whereas protein isn't. So the earlier you can get your protein in the better. You know, for example, I really love having like a scramble for breakfast. I add whole eggs, egg whites for that extra protein. I love adding in some type of lean um, poultry. So whether that's a ground turkey, a chicken breast into the scramble, I'll do mushrooms, spinach, get my veggies in, like really do a heavier breakfast. So then as the day goes on, I can consume less and less protein. So by the time dinner comes around, I don't feel like, God, I gotta shovel in this protein. I've already kind of taken care of it through my earlier meals and through my snacks. Um, So, Things like that. But easy ways to stay on track with the body recomposition goal is check in on how much protein you're consuming. I would be – I think it's a safe bet to say 99% of people do not eat enough protein. Do you know how much protein you're eating
1: for No, I don't. I don't really keep track, but I should. Well, I was going to say I am jokingly posted that thing about 75 soft. Yeah. And turn it turned into something – Emailed about 30, 25, 30 people. That's I, amazing. My college roommates are all doing it. So we have a group chat. And when you say get your protein in early, we, after a few days, my roommates are on the road, or the water is somewhat easy because it just cut everything in half yeah. basically. But we always like knocking out the water early. Like yes, that, that was it. Exactly. So, so it's like, it's, he's like my, one of the guys texted like, I didn't get, mm-hmm. really, I just chugging 30 ounces at night. And it's just like, it made me a terrible sleep. It made yeah. me you're like, I'm just, I'm peeing. In. Yeah. So he's like, he's like knock it out early. So like every morning I was like, I just like chug 17 ounces, like you know, 16.9, a bottle of yeah. water, Chug that. And then I have one there and then do, during my workout, I have yeah. one. So I'm three quarters. So I, I, a glass of water when I go to bed or for dinner hits, hits, hits the goal and you're not like up peeing and, and everything and makes sense that just get the protein out breakfast and lunch. If you can knock, say you're doing a hundred grams round numbers, if you can knock out 75 grams in those first, uh, breakfast and first lunch, couple
0: of meals, snacks, yeah. it's, it's so true. Cause you know, by the time you get to dinner, it's way harder to cram in like 80, 90 grams of protein now in one single meal or two meals at night. Whereas you could have just, you know, what's out saying? How do you eat an elephant in little bites? You know, you want that high protein goal, eat it in little bites throughout the day. Um, And like you said, check it off, get it out of the way, do your hard things in the beginning of the day so that the day just continues to get easier for you. That's why I work out in the morning because I can't have that shit looing over my head all day long. I get tired. I got to get up, get smacked in the face by some fitness, get some protein in. And then by the time like five o'clock rolls around, I'm done. I can check out.
1: Yeah. So obviously you, you talk about someone's trying to lose, like if they're like, really heavy there's like hey I just gotta get healthy mm-hmm. I'm trying to lose weight you said obviously uh, caloric deficit yep. compared, putting on weight In if you are let's say you're pretty like skinny, you just, you have a half time gaining weight.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's say
1: you're a girl and you're trying to get that, you know, trying to get that. that, booty, dumpy, that but
0: that's we always we, my goal.
1: <laughs> we always just turn into some frat bros right there. <laughs> <laughs> right there. But don't get
0: Okay. <laughs> I say dump truck all the time. And I always tell people that body. That's I
1: mean, we got, we got crash, crash, smash. smash. I see you saying crash, Cr- smash, smash, <laughs> Here's a say, but donk a donk. He's like, it's he's he like, like oh, woo, woo, woo. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Goddamn animals in I, here. I was going to say, he turns into a dog. <laughs>
1: um,
0: I always joke with people with body. It's still bulking season. Um, I'm forever trying to bulk. I so, Okay, so funny you say that. So naturally, like my build is very gangly. Like I don't naturally have a lot of muscle. It has taken me dedication, years, a lot of hours in the gym, and a lot of fucking food to build this muscle. So I am proud of it. But I do think it's a cool shift that we're seeing with especially women. I'm not leaving the men out. I'm just saying as women, you know, for decades of time, the goal was be as small as you can, be as thin as possible. And now you see women being like, no, I want to eat. I want that butt. I want muscles. I want to be strong. And that's what I'm all about. So... But you know, what you're saying is the, the idea of being in a caloric surplus. So you want to be eating more calories and then combine that a lot with of protein, a lot of protein and strength training. So you want to be focusing on progressive overload. And if you've ever taken my body class, I walk through progressive overload, especially if you've ever been in a 90, 60, 30, you want to focus on some element of a challenge. So maybe that's heavier weights for fewer repetitions. Maybe that's more repetitions for fewer weight. Maybe that's a drop set. I mean, everyone's heard me do this spiel. And the reason I give that spiel is to remind people, you know, you're not going to see a change by coming in here and doing the same thing every single day.
1: There we go. Oh, just Gosh, I'm just allergic. she's allergic to, allergic me. to the bullshit. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's funny you say that because I remember in high school, we actually one year we had to take a fitness class where you basically, we just like worked out, got educated on anything. Yeah. And basically a bunch of athletes took it. Yeah. And we had some, some girls in the class, um, you know, women now that are some, my friends, but they were like, I don't want to lift because I don't want to get jacked. I don't want to get jacked. Oh and I, and, and okay, that, was a, but that was a signal about that. I, Cause they see this one supermodel, they're not supermodel, this uh, super like fitness, heavyweight. Crossfit chick. Yeah. And they see these girls that are, you know, very like muscles, like huge. And I remember we didn't really – we took it for granted, but our PE teacher Tom was like, these people train seven, eight hours a day, and they take five billion grams of protein, and some of them are probably on steroids. He's like, you're not going to get jacked by listening one day. And I heard someone say it one time. He's like, you – when some girl was like, well, I don't want to get jacked. He's like, you going to the gym twice a week? you're going to think you're going to get jacked. It's like, like, that's like me saying, I'm going to go play pickup basketball twice a week, but I'm too scared. I'm going to be playing in the NBA in a couple weeks. It's not how it works. No,
0: (laughs) that is so funny you say that because, um, I will have a lot of, you know, like first time beginner female clients who, when I recommend them, Hey, you should be doing resistance training and what you're lifting. Now you should be going heavier, you know? Oh, well I put on muscle really quick and I, I don't want to put on muscle. And I'm like, okay, first of all, one, you know, let's talk through some of those fears. Is that because you're afraid of not looking, you know, what you deem as feminine, all those things are valid. But to put it bluntly, don't give yourself that much credit. If it was that easy to get jacked, then, I mean, we would be ro- walking around with huge traps and unable to, like, tie our shoes. If, but if, it,
1: if it's that easy. People wouldn't struggle. Oh, but again, it's like the comparison is like just because you go and play, like slow push softball twice a week doesn't mean like all of a sudden after six months you're going to be playing the major leagues it's like oh, it doesn't but the, yeah. the people take strength training is just like oh because there's so many gyms and anyone anyone can anyone can do it yeah like oh i'm just gonna get jacked if i start like working out to it it's like that's people train their whole life for like years to have to all to that, that muscles and they're taking so many more something if you're just doing protein as your supplement and you're working out like you're not going to get jacked you're You know, now I think there's a less stigma with women in it, and I think a lot if you do pictures like before. I think a lot of people prefer like. More tone and everything like that. They, they, they look because I think the fear was I'm going to look like a man or something, yes. and they That's don't. That's
0: completely the fear. And I think two women are getting to a place where they realize having more muscle mass on your body makes you feel stronger, healthier. It's better for your skeletal structure. It's better for longevity. It makes you feel like a badass. And then you know we're joking about having a dumpy, but. The way you build muscles and you want big glutes, you're not doing that by eating a thousand calories a day and running on a treadmill for hours. You got to lift some heavy weight. You got to eat your protein. You got to eat enough calories. And I do think that getting common misconceptions out of your brain that stand in the way of your progress is really important. And I say this as someone who. When I got my macro numbers done, literally back in 2015, was like very resistant. I'm like, no, you know, I don't want to put on weight. I don't want to do this. And it's really important. And one of the reasons why I became a coach and why I threw myself into education, because I have, um, I pride myself. I have a lot of different certifications because I want to be learning to be the best coach so that I can share that education, but reminding people that there's a lot of science behind fitness, nutrition it's not a simple process. Bodies are incredibly complex.
1: Everyone's different too.
0: Exactly. They're complex beings that have thousands of processes happening every single second. So to dumb it down to like, Oh, if I lift these 20 pound weights instead of these tens, all of a sudden my biceps are going to be popping out of my shirt. I mean, I wish it was that easy. If that was that easy. Oh my God, I would love it. I'd walk around like Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger <laughs> all the time. and I'd be like, this is my vibe.
1: <laughs> what, um, what, what, how many? If you're trying to like put on that muscle, mm-hmm. how many grams of protein should you be doing? Is it based mm-hmm. on your weight? Your yes,
0: it's gonna be based on weight. It's gonna be based on fitness, and it's gonna be so based on goal. Um, if
1: if you're a hundred and sixty pound, like twenty seven year old male, um, you know decent in shape, but you kind of like you know mm-hmm. skinny, you're like five ten. Okay. You're trying to You know, get in shape. You're trying mm-hmm. to lift, and, and you know, have a six pack. Get muscles like. Are you drink? Are you having one hundred and sixty grams of protein? Are you having two hundred?
0: So the range that's pretty commonly accepted is anywhere from 0. 0.8 to 2.0 grams of protein. So of your body weight. Of your body weight.
1: So three hundred people. People that are one hundred six pounds get three hundred. If you're grams. trying to
0: bulk up and that's your goal, you might be getting that high.
1: Do you just most poop out people? protein bars?
0: Yeah, and why do you think they look like poop?
1: Jesus, that's why I assume you just come out looking just like, like, a, just um, just like a. But it's protein. anywhere
0: from point eight. A commonly accepted number is, um, you know, one to one point two grams per body weight pound. I will say for people listening, two, you know, or 2.0 so essentially double body weight is for people who have a very specific goal in mind if you want to play it safer you can take your body weight and times that anywhere from 0.8 to 1.2 and that's a pretty safe place okay. um so again that's going to depend on your level of activity how much you're lifting what your end goal is and Really, where you're starting out at. You know, if you're starting out eating 80 grams of protein, we don't want you now going to 200 grams. We need you to slowly build up to that process. Gotcha. It's a slow process. Um, but I also really encourage people to take a look at how much protein they are consuming. Most people are, are vastly under-consuming protein.
1: Oh, I, I mean, I think I weigh myself pretty fat. I'm like 180. Uh, I If I were to do 180 grams, I'd be... I mean one chicken breast that's one chicken breast that's what half a pound normally or maybe like a thick chicken breast that has like 60-70 grams of protein in it but like one of those fills me. I had like three of those in a day just to hit like when you do it that way you're like that's fucking a lot
0: well also I recommend like taking inventory of where you're getting your protein and where you can add it in in smaller elements so for example like I always share with my clients I eat anywhere from 150 to 160 grams of protein a day and you know I would just surround myself as a smaller person than you. Like you're oh, more- so now I'm
1: fat. Wow. Well, <laughs> oh, boy. I'm just mad you didn't bring, Har- did, bring Harlow over for me then. No, the I can't list. wait to teach you about this. But,
0: you know, I eat a high amount of protein, and I do that by adding in things like egg whites into my diet, adding in Greek yogurt where I can, adding in snacks that are higher in protein.
1: What are your thoughts about, you know, if you have... So if you're drinking, you try and get your water intake up Mm -hmm. too, but just throw a scoop of like a protein powder in there to help it out. Or like a premier protein is usually like the easiest source. Sometimes for me, like when I go to Costco, but I know, yeah, just like, instead of drinking drinking water, just have one of those in the middle that gives you an extra, what, 30 degrees that can help. So stuff like that.
0: Exactly. Making, you know, my advice always is make it less frictionless for your life. Let's say cooking chicken breast and eating it is like the bane of your existence. Don't make that your main source of protein. Get it in in other places. Check out your carb sources. Are there places you're eating things that are, you know, leaning more towards rice, potatoes? Maybe you could swap those out a couple days a week for more beans, legumes, more plant sources that have more protein. You know, Mm -hmm. I'll take an average meal... For example, like we love making taco bowls. I'll do a ground turkey or ground chicken, and then I'll do it with black beans. I'm getting protein right there. I'll add in um, extra things like that, or like when I make a stir fry, instead of a normal wheat noodle, I'll do an edamame noodle. That's super dense in protein. Okay. So little swaps add up.
1: All right. Well, I mean, we're coming up here on time. It's been a. L- yeah. I think it's been a great conversation. I think you've educated everyone. Um kind of covered what someone's That's trying to do. That's
0: why favorite.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Would uh, any? Let me last words.
0: Um, body fam, I love you, and thanks for letting me ba- make bad jokes on the mic and vibing with me every day. I love, to be here. I love to be here.
1: Awesome, thank you. Well, thanks again for coming, and okay. make sure to guys, please leave reviews on Apple. Please, I'm begging you. Five
0: get star for
1: this episode. Get five star for every episode and this one. Five point five for this episode, five for everyone else. Uh, but again, and then if you have any questions or, or you want some for Nikki or anyone or myself or you want to be on the podcast, just email bodypodcast at gmail. Thanks.